Welcome to the OMA Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. And in this episode, we are going to continue to feature interviews from the OAME Gazette column, Coding in the Classroom, with Ian Brody and Beza Caesar. And in the latest December edition of the Gazette, Ian and Beza are interviewing Windsor Public Board teacher and winner of the Prime Minister's Award in STEM, Alice Aspinall. So let's get started. We are really lucky today to be able to talk to Alice Aspinall, a winner of the Prime Minister's Award in STEM. And uh, she is currently looking at trying to uh, figure out how to put the coding into the grade nine mathematics curriculum in Ontario. So hi, Alice, and could you just uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Ian. Hi, Beza. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, My name is Alice Aspinall, and I'm a secondary math teacher in the Windsor area, so in southern Ontario. And I've been a a math teacher for uh, about 14 years, and I've been at uh, the same school for for about 13 years now. And I teach all grades and and math courses, as we know, it kind of changes every year a little bit. Um, But uh, normally I do have grade nines, and now with this new de-streamed grade nine curriculum, things have changed, and we've been working on incorporating that new curriculum. And um, some of the, the new ideas in there that we actually really have enjoyed the, this past year. Oh, so it's actually kind of like a fun curriculum. You know, I do like a lot a lot of the the new pieces in the curriculum. I do like, and I think that there's a lot of new stuff in there that's really good for students and things that our students really did enjoy. Um, it brought a lot of really good conversations that I've not seen in a grade nine math classroom before. And I have taught a lot of grade nine academic applied and uh, locally developed um, courses. I've taught them a lot. And this year we had more conversations, more like flowing conversations than we ever did because of some of the topics in the new curriculum. That's that's can great. You, can so- you please give some specific examples of what kind of conversation uh, yeah. on what aspects of the curriculum like what, what yes. one so which one fits, my, like my fits. students I taught two sections of the de-streamed grade nine this past school year and my students really enjoyed the um the stuff we did on data and bias in data and graphs um we we had a lot of discussions I showed them a lot of graphs and we talked about the bias that we might see in those graphs and then they were finding their own and bringing them to class the next day so that we could project them and talk about them and they were just really into this whole idea of like how we are being deceived using um, graphs and data around us like things that we see every day that we really have to think about right we have to think about the axes and the scales and and stuff and they really enjoyed talking about that and really dissecting graphs that we found from the you know all over the internet and uh it led to such great conversations that just kept going and going uh so it was a lot that was a lot of fun that was part of their um probably the best conversations that we had and some of the other data um stuff that was data and statistics like we did the um the uh stem and leaf plots you know and they hadn't really seen that before and they thought that was really cool. They could draw those out and, and um, decipher what the, what they meant. And that was mm-hmm. some new, but also really interesting stuff for them as well. Yeah. Great. That's wonderful. Yeah, they had a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and like 
just the fact that you can educate people about data and how it's represented makes like it makes a huge difference for society not, yeah. not and to just them, it felt really it felt really relevant right like they were just looking at a graph of a line and you know like we do we've always done graphing in grade nine but this was like different that we would look at all these different graphs and really analyze them and, and look mm-hmm. deeply at all the parts of the graph they really really enjoyed it yeah. So, so you would give the, the new de-streamed curriculum a thumbs up then? Yeah, I did. I do like a lot of portions of it. Yeah. And how have you dealt with, um, I know it's, it's an, an issue for some people is how have you dealt with the, the different students and like having it de-streamed? So, um, the, the idea of de-streaming is great. And I think we have lots of evidence and research to show why we need to de-stream. Unfortunately, you know, we had a lot of other things to deal with too, coming out of a pandemic. And, um, I teach in an inner city school. Um, a lot of students were, um, absent in the last couple of years from their own education. And so there were a lot of challenges, um, overall without the new curriculum, without the de-streaming alone. So yes. it, it was a challenging year, but we're really optimistic that it's going to get better as students start, you know, last year was more of a normal year. So our next group of grade nines uh, hopefully will be more prepared. And I think it will, it will get better than what it was last year. It was a really challenging year. I don't, I don't think we can deny that or, no. um, you know, say otherwise. And then to add this new curriculum in at the same time was really, really challenging um, because students were at so many different levels than usual. Yes. Um, So, you know, we have to seek out a lot of other supports that we have available in our schools. Um, And what support? support, We have learning support teachers and we have student success teachers at our school. Um, So, you know, we're utilizing them a lot and, um, a lot yeah. of small group instruction as well, you know, and, and I think that this year we did a, a lot more reviewing of past topics than we have ever done in other school years mm-hmm. as well. Yes, you would, you would have had to just because yeah. of the, the, like just the gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how, so I think how- in the coming years, I think things will look more, um, like a little easier in that de-streamed classroom, even with the varying abilities of students, I think will be a little less difficult than what it was this past year. So we're, we're really interested in how, uh, what your journey was to, to bring some coding into the classroom as well. So, so what, what was that journey like? Like, what were the, uh, like, what were the difficulties you had to overcome? What are the, like, like it, we know that people are going to struggle to bring it in. And like, so we'd like to learn from yours, if you could. Yes. So the coding, of course, poses some um, fears for a lot of people. Um, because we might not have like a lot of us, we're math teachers, we might not have a big coding background, we can argue that algorithms are are part of math of course but there is a bit of a unique kind of thinking right and so it 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 was a challenge for for a lot of us um but um a welcome challenge because i do think that the coding is a good part of the curriculum i think uh one of my biggest struggles was not really knowing where every student was in regards to their previous background in coding. So I know that the the new elementary curriculum started the year before, 
Um, but because, again, like I said, the pandemic and a lot of our students were absent from school, um, we didn't really know who had done what coming into grade yeah. nine, right? So oh, yeah. I had some <laughs> students who had done a lot of coding because during the pandemic and being online, coding kind of was easier for some teachers to incorporate into the into their teaching, right? Because they were online and virtual and they could um, assign things. And of course, you're already on a device. So it kind of lends itself to being able to do some coding. Um, and then there were other students who had never seen it and never heard of anything um, to do with coding before. Yeah. So that was probably the biggest challenge um, for me. I didn't really know where everybody was. And some, of course, you know, we have students who are gamers and um, and have self-taught themselves and they're well beyond where I am in my coding journey. And so they're real experts in it. And so I would give them um, something to do and they would go above and beyond. And, and in some cases, students who uh, didn't have any interest in what we were doing on other days, but they were experts in the coding realm. So that, that made for like such an interesting dynamic. And now suddenly students who never were um, really enjoying things in, in math class are the experts and they're going around and showing other students how to do things. That uh, really changes the dynamics. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing that, uh, and, and Basil and I have seen this also, like some people just seem to pick up coding and like they seem to get it better. So do you have any sense of which students would like, or what types of students would like gain from this so like you said like it was people who were not necessarily interested in math before but now they love coding day yeah they were ex excelling when we did um any anything to do with coding and it's really because they've done they've put in the work on their own time so they've uh you know they they do um like not just gaming, but they've learned to program on their own and on their own time. So it wasn't something that they were taught in school. It's more of a hobby or a pastime. And so those students now have an advantage on others because they've spent a lot of their own time learning how to code. And there's a lot of, like when I ask them how they learned it or where they learned it, they didn't really learn from anybody. It's a lot of trial and error and they, and just time, like time and commitment you know, like sometimes we think these kids are playing video games and I know there's a lot of uh, stereotypes with video games and a lot of different opinions on that, but sometimes they're doing a lot of really good learning. All that trial and error leads to good learning. And yeah, that's, that's how a lot of them learned it themselves. Yeah. So I, I have a, a, a friend who uh, way back in like the, the 1990s had said that the Xbox is actually one of the best teachers there is because of the way they design the games mm -hmm. so so you know you design the game so that people are eventually successful and yeah but, so but a lot of mistakes are made and a lot of like retrying right so yes there, there may be a, some bad parts to to video, to gaming for, for sure but i think on the flip side there's a lot of really good learning that's happening and perseverance and and things that our children are learning by making all those mistakes and starting over and really like persevering to want to beat a level or get there or whatever they're whatever game they're playing. Yeah. And, th and that yeah. and that passes over into coding as well because like, you know, right. it, it does work. Okay. Fix it. Yeah. It's, it's so like much trial and error. And the students who really, you know, the students who really want to get it right the first time, um, 
we all have those students, right? They were struggling when we were doing coding because, you know, the first idea they had wouldn't work out. And you know, like the best thing about writing a, a code and is that you know right away if it works or doesn't work, right? You, you see immediately <laughs> if there's an error. It's very obvious. And they don't like that. Like they, they want to just get it right the first time or they want to be told how to do it right the first time. They mm-hmm. don't want to do the trial and error. And, and, and these are the, the math students that are normally the successful ones in the class. Right. The ones that know how to do school well, right? Yeah. I, I think Peter Lilliedahl calls it studenting. They're really, right. really good at studenting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. So this, this, so this is like, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. These are like every skill has its place and, you know, these are all good skills, but uh, it, it, it was really interesting to see how this coding stuff brought out skills in other students that they didn't really see as like good school skills. And yet they were the ones excelling in class. Yeah. So it's kind of like leveling the play field. Yes. Yeah. It was really nice to see them having some confidence, right? Like those, some students don't often have confidence as much confidence in math class. And so now this gives another opportunity for them to have some confidence. Yeah. So I think uh, we delve into this uh, link to the transferable skills. So we talk about perseverance and yeah, this uh, soft skills. So what else we can talk about as well? Maybe this is going to be a, a little last question, but I just want to continue on this a little more. So what else you're seeing? What connection there? Um, my uh, uh, When I working on the coding um, link to transfer the skills in the curriculum. There's just three of the mentions, but I believe so. We have more links to other soft skills. So what else you're seeing? I'm really want to know about that. Well, so when we say coding and even with my students, when I told them we were going to be doing some coding in class, in math class, first, they wanted to know if it was for real or I was just doing it for fun. Like they didn't think that we were actually supposed to be doing coding in, in math class, which is funny, but, but it is good. Also. Yeah. Right. Good startup. It's just, are you just making this up just, you know, for fun? And I say, well, no, no, but it still can be fun. Um, so when you bring up coding, everybody thinks we're going to be writing code and that's not really what's in the grade nine curriculum, right? We're not writing code like like a, like a coding language, like the coding that we might have learned. I, I don't know um, about you, but I have an honors math degree and we had to take computer science courses and I actually have a minor in computer science. So I took a lot of coding classes, uh, but those that was like coding in, a lang- in languages, right? Different languages. And that's not really what's in the curriculum. If you look closely at the curriculum, the coding section, the way I interpret it is, Um, algorithmic thinking, right? That's how I view it. It's really about algorithms and thinking in a very simplistic, like step-by-step style. And it's not writing code at all. So we used Scratch to do some coding, but really those, that's just a series of steps in writing an algorithm. It's not actual coding as I would have known it, right? Like when I first heard that coding was in the curriculum, I thought, oh, Like, what language are we going to be like, this is going to be really difficult, but it's not like that at all. And so students were surprised to see that when when we say coding in this new curriculum, what we really mean is just algorithmic thinking, 
And that's what I had to explain to them. We have to break down what we do into the most minuscule steps. And that is what we're going to be looking at. And so that brings about a different kind of thinking, right? If I ask you to find the slope of a line between two points, Mm -hmm. students can do that. You know, after we've taught them, the students can do that. And they can say, you know, step-by-step, this is what they do. But can they actually break it down like really step-by-step? Because the steps that you would describe to to do that calculation are not the same things you would write into code or put into scratch or whatever. You need it to be broken down into far smaller steps for it to work. And that's um, another skill that I saw emerging from students. How can we break this down into the small list of steps to make the program do what we want it to do. And that's difficult for them to Mm -hmm. um, learn how to do. Like that kind of thinking is not the type of thinking when we normally say write out the steps. It's not the same steps that you do when you have that algorithmic thinking. Yeah, I would have preferred that they called it computational thinking or computational modeling or even computational literacy. Uh, I, I agree with all that. Yes, absolutely. Because it's not like when you think of coding, I don't think of the expectations that are in that coding section, right? Like I, yes. I think of really. a language like we all did coding in the past, right? Yeah. And I think also it's it, the word coding might scare some students because they think that it's like they're in a, a computer science programming class. Mm-hmm. And that's not at, at all what's taking place. So oh, do you yeah. think as for students, is it really hard to link and understand for teachers as well, just because it's not very well defined in the curriculum? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think at first, even I, when I heard that they were adding coding to the curriculum was taken aback. But then when you read the expectations, you see that it's not true coding. But I just kept telling my students, like, this is an algorithm. We're learning the algorithmic language for this. Um, And is it coding? Yes. So like we can say many things in life are coding, but it's not that coding in the sense of, you know, writing code in in some language. Yeah. We're not making great big programs or like, you know, trying to update words so that it actually makes sense and things like that. Yeah. Right. Or like you you put a semicolon where it's not supposed to be or something and or missing a bracket and it doesn't work. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. So I have a, I have a friend who, who used to put print statements in, so she would put a print statement in so that, and then she would move it around so that when she could find the bugs. So in, in scratch, you just go like the little say, uh, all good till here. And, and then like, you can just pop it in different spaces until you find where your bug is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find your, your, your students, uh, were, uh, how did they deal with the debugging part? Well, a lot of them struggled with that debugging because they have to go in and follow through and try to find where the error is. And I think that's, um, it's difficult to do. And, and also it takes a lot of patience to really work through and try to find the error. And so I had to help them a bit with, with finding their errors in their, in their steps. But um, you know, it's funny to see how their personalities come out in that process. It's like, like you don't see that side of their personality with our regular math work. Um, I find no. that with, with, with finding their errors in their, their own code, that brings out a whole different personality. 
or some of them yeah. are impatient and wanted to just be told immediately. And I thought, oh, this is a different side of you that I haven't seen before. Yeah. So, and that also made some of them kind of angry with me as well, because, you know, they want me to just tell them where, where it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know either. Let's so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I'd have to actually go through your whole. Yeah. And it takes time for, for us as the teacher to find it too, because we don't know what every single student's um, process, right? I have to go through and it takes a long time for, for me to go through and try to find it as well. It, it, it's better, obviously, and quicker for them to find their own than to ask me to find it for them. Yeah, mutual patience required. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. So patience, it's perseverance. True. Yeah, so yeah, these, these so are these are checking off all of those uh, social emotional learning skills and and yeah. and. Yeah, it really brought really out need. so many different um, personalities and skills that yeah. I hadn't seen in a math class before, and it was exciting and. Um, students were coming in and excited to continue working on their projects and um, everybody's at a different spot and um, in a different level. And so it really was just about them and they're trying to make their code do what they wanted it to do. And it was, just, <laughs> it was, it was a, a fun thing to bring into the classroom. That's amazing. Yeah. And not just individual personal skills, also coding, I think, um, appeared that entire skills as well. Uh, they communicate. I think in math class, not that much uh, explicit before. Coding make them so much connected, shared between them. So yeah, yeah, it does. It does help. And I'm a really big believer in um, a class that is not quiet and um, independent. Um, and so this is just another way to bring in um, more collaboration, encouraging them to help each other instead of just seeking help from me. Um, so I really did see the, the little, we only did a little coding, but the little bit that we did, what it brought out in students was really nice to see mm -hmm. um, and what, you know, what it does to the classroom atmosphere. So and it gives me some ideas for the upcoming years as well and how I can incorporate it more as we all become more um, confident ourselves with, with it too, because it was the first year. So we weren't really, weren't really sure how we were going to approach this and what we're going to do. But now with how it went this past year, it gives us ideas moving forward in how we can maybe keep the, that coding going throughout the semester more instead of just an isolated portion of the course. Mm -hmm. So we have some ideas. Yeah. So we used to have the idea like, a, uh, you know, you can like, um, what was it? Uh, pictures, numbers, words, like in, right. in elementary. And now yeah. like it's pictures, numbers, words. Can you code it? Right. Yeah. And I've had, I've had students point, say, yeah. can I just, can I just code this? And I was like, yeah. sure. Yeah. That's I, a good I, idea. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So it, it gives, like gives the different, the different representation. So there are, so normally we talk about four representations of a problem, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this brings in another element. Can, yeah, can like you that. can you uh, like can you name those four things for our listeners? Ah, uh, words. Yes. Table, table of values. Oh, I love tables. Equation. Oh, yeah. Uh, missing one. Graphs. Graphs, <laughs> of course, graphs. Right. Love so graphs. like a linear, so a linear problem, I would talk about the four representations of a, a linear relationship, right? 
But now that's interesting to bring in the coding as another one. I like that. Yeah, because if you can code it, you understand it. It's true. It's true. It's kind of like we say, if you can explain it to somebody else, you really understand it. Correct. Yeah. So this brings in a different level now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And what's what's neat about is f- for me, I was able to like look through uh, some of some of my students' things and like look through and see what steps they had taken, and so you could see see their thinking in it. Mm-hmm. Except for that one kid I had who was like the one you said who was like way above me, and it's like he figured something out. It's like. I don't get it. Can you explain this to me? Uh, because he was like way above and beyond everybody. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. They, some of them did know a lot of features in Scratch that I wasn't familiar with. A couple of students of mine. Oh, yeah. yeah, so that was really cool to see. And it, like, even for those students who were like beyond um, my level, you know, the thing with coding is I can always ask or I can often ask, how can you make it more efficient? Can you do it in fewer steps? And mm-hmm. I found myself asking some of them to do that if they finished really quickly, yep. because they could do it. They could finish a task quickly, but if you look at their steps, they might've done it in a lot of steps that weren't necessary, kind of a, mm-hmm. a roundabout way. Right. Yeah. So I did find myself often like take another, take it a step further and now make it more efficient. Can you do it more efficiently? Yes. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with you, and and it's not about how uh, they are really skillful in coding. It's also our job to not make efficient, also linked to disciplines, math, science, whatever. I think they are not very aware of this. That well, mm-hmm. this is the instructor role coming to the point. Even we are in the beginners, we still have on the uh, leading role always. I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it's important too, for them to understand the more efficient ways of doing things. Um, you know, in a business world, you want to, to make things efficient. So um, that was something we talked about a lot too, in, in a, a way to give some next steps to students who were already done when others were still working. So uh, how we, how they appreciate about linking to discipline? like that you're doing math so uh, are you appreciative of this link coding and math or they are not minding that much to you inc- inc- incorporating math in coding do i appreciate it or or the student no i'm i'm in students i think yeah. this is our um, role to <laughs> yeah i think uh, i think they really liked it and they you know there were comments like oh this is different than usual this is not like we're doing math um but there is mathematical thinking in there. We know that. Yeah. But I think they did appreciate having a little bit of a change and, and, you know, some of them didn't, but I think that's all like the way it goes. Right. But we were able sure. to, um, we were able to please like other students that maybe we don't normally please. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's just one more way to draw them into what we're trying to do in, in the classroom. But we, I did have questions like, like I told you before, are, are we supposed to be doing this in math class? Are we just doing this for fun? <laughs> yeah. you know, like they, and I say, no, it is part of what we're supposed to be doing now. This is new in our grade nine curriculum, right? And a lot of them have siblings, older siblings who have gone through the, the, all of the courses, right? So they, they've not heard about their siblings doing this stuff. And so yeah. they, 
they were kind of surprised that we were doing this now. But, but for many of them, it, it was a welcome change. And it, it just brings another different kind of thinking to the classroom, right? We try to differentiate and do things in so many different ways to try to hit all of our students. And so this was just one more. And I think for the most part, it was really welcomed. Of course, it's always going to challenge some and make some feel uncomfortable because it's something that they're not used to. Well, yeah. that's, that's learning. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. also out of classroom, but I'm uh, wondering that if you are having any experience from the parents as well, because some parents think that as a just a fun <laughs> time as well. They're asking, what is the math with it? So, oh, you're playing game. It's nice for kids, but what is the math? Where is the math? Right. So uh, do you have some experience about this as well? I didn't have any parents complain about anything that we were doing. I had a couple okay, who told great. me their, their, their children were really interested in this part. So I think, again, it, it drew in some students that maybe we don't normally um, get excited about math class. And so some parents said that, um, but I didn't get any kind of complaints or pushback or anything. Um, I didn't hear anything anyway. No, not that anyone okay. told me. That's yeah, maybe they really yeah. believe the coding's benefits. It's really... Yeah, and I think that I I would hope that parents knowing the world that we live in now and and how things are constantly changing, that they would recognize that coding is an important um, part of our lives and that computational thinking is really necessary um, to be taught in schools. Even if we're just aware of what goes into right, like putting those things down. Like we were just touching the surface with yeah. this stuff, right? And what it might do is it might convince some students who wouldn't have normally um, thought that they might wanna take some computer programming courses, it might convince them to now take those courses, right? So we're just introducing them to other things. Um, and and I think that's, like, I, I can't imagine that parents would complain about that. Yeah. Maybe no. just sparkling some interest Right. And yeah. let's see like, what's going to happen. Like I had a couple students ask me, uh, will we do this again next year? Um, and how can I, how can I continue? Like what courses do I need to take to do more of this? So then right. we're talking about the That's... computer science courses that are offered and maybe those, I don't know, but maybe they wouldn't have otherwise chosen to, to take some of those courses. That's great. So like... I, I wonder if we'll see, um, more students taking computer science in the senior years than we might have in the past with this. Or even asking their grade 10, 11 teachers if they could code something to show Mm -hmm. their learning. Right. Right. Yes. Like uh, that, that's another good point, Ian, because, you know, often in other subjects, they're allowed to present things in a variety of ways, right? Their teachers allow them to do a project and do like a PowerPoint or, you know, many different um, media media to present their projects. So maybe coding now will become a more normal way to represent something. Well, it I is a media, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that would be really neat if if now that becomes a regular part of other classrooms and and sort of makes it way and makes its way into English or social studies or something. Yeah, that's actually something we teach at Ontario Tech. So the um, we have IS candidates who are like. Uh, like in history, geography, 
um, English, and I, I get all of those while my, my uh, partner in crime takes all the math students and science students. So I get to teach all the uh, people how to code, and they've all come up with ways of being able to code for English, uh, for, for history. Uh, and and it's it's just amazing, just like just being able to present something and set up a set up a program so that it shows your learning. So mm -hmm. like it comes awesome. out like like just like a movie almost, except it's code. So right. there's so many things you can do with Scratch. Yeah, and, and, and with it, other things. Yeah, you know, and that's funny because we were we just did uh, in my mind we did such a, a small amount of coding in Scratch, uh, like really just touch the surface. Um, but you know when you go to the main page of Scratch and they have like uh, projects that have been published that people yeah. have made public, and so students started looking at those and and watching like there were like um, little mini short films and and stuff displayed there, and they realized yeah. like oh they did all this with Scratch, mm -hmm. yes. So mm -hmm. it it opens other doors they wouldn't otherwise have seen and i just think that that really is what thing what it's all about right just giving yeah. students all these different things and then they can choose what's for them and i i, I think yeah. that's a, always a good thing yeah so I, I i teach a lot of the students uh fairly early on how to animate things and then they go wait we could animate this math thing and i went yes you could so you take like you know like the the idea of an an n-sided polygon and how like or how you as it, as it grows like it, as the you know as it grows it becomes more and more like a circle mm -hmm. and so they they animate that and they go like wait does that mean that the limit of an n-sided polygon is a circle and they go that's what Archimedes thought and they're like wait I mean I'm like doing what Archimedes did and they're like yeah you are exactly what he did awesome yeah, That's it's, 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 it's like, there's just so many possibilities for, uh, as you say, like so many possibilities for, for demonstrating learning is, is where I like to come at it from. Yeah. Wow, and that's wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so nice to see them excited about something. Yeah. And my, my favorite part is, uh, modeling. So like, especially probability situations, because like, mm -hmm. you know, flipping a coin is like really boring. But I can get the computer to do it like 10,000, 100,000, a million times for me. Yeah. And it, it's interesting what comes out after you start doing those things. Yeah. 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 That's, it's so awesome. It, like anytime students are excited about something we're doing in class, I think that's a win. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke with my uh, teacher candidates that we have to bring the F word back into 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 the classroom, and they go like, "What? No, no, fun, fun." Yeah, yeah. Actually, this fun uh, lead to excitement, and excitement lead to love. So it's all just uh, become the bigger, bigger, just snowballing win. I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so what would you tell teachers, Alice? Like, like. Like if you if you had to talk to a bunch of teachers, which you are actually right now, uh, what what would you tell the grade nine teachers about coding? Yeah, or just like how to how to how to go about it? Like like yeah, you know, well, something inspirational. I think, like I think oh boy, I, just, I feel so much pressure. <laughs> oh, no, um, no, no, please. No, I, okay. I wish I had been warned about this question. Um, you know, I think it just takes its baby steps. You start with whatever you're comfortable with 
And I think honesty is really important. If you're not very comfortable with this, you tell students you're not comfortable with it, but that we're going to learn it together. And you, it, it's always so like surprising to see how students will step up to the plate and they will not judge you for saying that you're not comfortable with it, but rather become helpers and want to show you and others, right? Like if I tell a student, like I've never seen that done in scratch before, what function did you use? What did you use? And they'll show me and then they'll find other things. And then they want to show me another step. And they just, I think they really love when they can just be a part of the classroom and a, a contributor. And it's not just the teacher teaching them something, right? We're us teaching them all the time. But I really felt like this coding section was so much more collaborative where, uh, you know, someone, someone would look over at another person's laptop and say, uh, you know, how did you change scratch? You don't have scratch anymore. You have like a flamingo. Why is yours a flamingo? And then they're showing each other like how to do these, you know, these things, not relevant to coding, but I mean, it just brings, makes it a bit more fun for them. And so they're all teachers and we're all learning together. So, you know, Scratch was not something I had done a lot of. So I made it really clear to them that I was really just learning all of the features in Scratch as well. And so I know I have background in coding Yes, but now Scratch was a new program for me. So I had to learn all the all the features in there. And they were very happy to show me and to explore and show me new things every day. And that's really, you know, how we learned together. And I think that that is a really good starting place. And then now I feel more confident to be able to do more things with students in the future and show them other ways. But I think if you kind of approach it from, like we're all going to do this together and learn this together. I think that is the best way to, to start this when it's feeling a little intimidating for everybody. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it flips the, the, the parallel, as you say, it flips the paradigm down uh, around from like, you know, I'm the knowledge keeper and you are, you are going to learn from me. So it right. takes that apart. And, and so how- it's like, we're all learning. We're all on this journey together, which is right. like, like I've, I've found that students respect you more for telling them that no, I don't know everything and I'm learning right alongside you. And truthfully, how could we ever know everything there is to, to know? Like there, there's always new features and new, and new ways to do something. So uh, I think it, it's, it's not the right thing to do to, to pretend to be the all knowing um, educator, right? I think it's always best to just be honest with them. And I've never encountered a student that is, judging um for for having said that right they are always very open to helping you and helping each other um when that's the the atmosphere in the classroom that's awesome okay thank you this has been an amazing conversation thank you alice so much for for spending uh spending some time with us and talking about coding and talking about math class and how the two go together. Uh, I, we really, really appreciate your, your thoughts and, and your insights into how this is, how this is something that's really good for math class. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Basa. I really Thank appreciate Thank you so it. much. Thanks a lot for inspiring words of you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That was Ian Brody and Beza Cesar interviewing Alice Aspinall. You can check out their column, Coding in the Classroom, in the OME Gazette. 
We will be returning in a couple of weeks for our last regular episode of this season and a brief interview with Michael Jacobs, who will be talking about itching to code in grade nine math. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, stay safe.